praise God. And uh, these small groups uh, help build relationships, but they also get people set free about things that we deal with personally and may be interwoven into our lives from years and years ago. So uh, we encourage you to get in them next time they come up. And uh, so tonight I was going to preach on Ephesians 6.10 down through 18 about faith. It says, having done all to stand, stand therefore. In other words, you got to stand, you got to persevere, you got to go through stuff. And I entitled the message, Now What? Now What? In other words, let's use this case scenario, because I'm, what I'm going to do is you and I are going to talk about faith. Eric, is Eric here? Okay, Eric, get a microphone in your running shoes. What now? What now? We as Christians start many faith adventures. But we as Christians fail at most faith adventures. Not being negative but being observant. There is a lack of wisdom. There is a lack of consistency, a lack of, of a application, a loss of confession, negativity comes in. So what if we're going to use John? John? What if you needed money? Well, just money is something everybody, you know, uh, is, well, I mean, it's where we spend a lot of our time working for it. You know, even though people say, I don't like prosperity. Well, you've never turned down a raise. You've never turned down a promotion. You never turned down a good deal. called a guy a hip crip for saying that to me one time and he left the church. I don't know why. He, he, he was building businesses and, and all that kind of stuff and he said, I don't believe in prosperity. I said, you're a hypocrite. You do believe in prosperity and you all want to prosper. Amen? Yes, amen. There's not one Baptist or one Methodist, one Lutheran, one Catholic that would tell you, stop going to work. Because you'll get money, and it's evil. They say, get to work and bring it to us. So, money is an everyday string of life that interweaves itself in all of us. So, let's say John, though, wants to see God provide for him, and he doesn't just want to live off of what he has. So he's going to take a step of faith. And John is going to take this step of faith. In 2 Corinthians 9.10, God gives seed to the sower. Gives seed to the sower. Now, 
if you've been unfaithful in sowing the seed in the past, then you want to make sure that you confess that and get away from it. Because God doesn't give seed to the non-sower. But he gives seed to the sower and the great guarantee is that when you sow, God himself will multiply your seed. Amen. Now, as soon as that starts, soon as that faith is released from the human spirit through the renewed mind, then what happens is you have started a war. It's called a fight. In 1 Timothy 6.12, that we are to fight the fight of faith. In other words, we are going to have an all-out struggle. Now, the struggle is not with God. God has made a promise. Could have given amen. Amen. God does not lie. God does not fail. Now the enemy engages you as a believer personally. And all he has to do is get you to question the faithfulness of God. It's called double-mindedness. That's it. Just one thought. And if you don't deal with that thought, that thought will multiply, will increase, will reproduce, and pretty soon that double-mindedness will come out of your mouth. Now, I want to ask you a question. You've sown a seed. What is your next step? Because... You have instituted a war. What's your next step? John, what would be your next step? Well, one of the things I've done in the past, Pastor, is uh, I gave a prove me offering, and then I expect God to show up and uh, provide the need that, that is present. What would you do between the time that your expectation has come alive to the time that it's fulfilled? I begin to thank God for answering the prayer. So you would start speaking yes. what we would call a language of faith. Right. I remember Shambach one time said when he was pastoring at the end of the service, a woman was kneeling at the, offer, at the altar and she was crying out, Oh, please, please, Jesus, please, please. He said he went over and poked her, and he said, shut that thing off. You're no beggar. And she thought about that, and she says, you're right. And she began to say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I'm not moved by what I see. Okay. Amen. Now, you said a few things. First of all, you started setting in motion. As soon as you sowed a seed, you are expecting or you wouldn't have sown, and until this time period. Now, there is a struggle. There is a war. Paul tells us, having done all to stand, stand. Don't be moved by what 
you see. And you said that. I'm not going to be moved by what I see. So you started by voicing your faith through praise. And praise is always a response to the pressure of the enemy. It stills the adventure. Romans, I'm sorry, Psalms, is it 2.8 or 8.2? Says that when we start praising God, God has developed praise for a believer, and when a believer releases that praise, that praise is a statement of confidence of God's faithfulness. And as soon as we do that, God stills the adventure. Notice what it didn't say. God immediately makes it manifest. God said he stills the adventure. In other words, time may still continue to dominate your evidence. So we don't want to be moved by time. Praise is a language of faith. Now, that is the same thing that Abraham did after he changed himself from being Abram to being Abraham. In other words, he started speaking things that were not as though they were. What does praise do? Praise really is another phrase of speaking things that are not as though they are. You're thanking God for something you have not received. And that's what Abraham did when unbelief tried to attack him. Where was it trying to attack him? In his mind. So every time a thought, a vain thought, an accusation against an innocent, faithful God came to Abraham, he started declaring the end of the promise. He started saying, God is faithful. God never fails. If God said it, he'll bring it to pass. God said, I would bear a son through Sarah. God said that I was a father of many nations. God said my name was no longer Abram, but Abraham. That's what Abraham did. And what is praise? Except uh, acclamations about someone. And that's what Abraham did. He used them. In fact, David had this struggle with his own soul. Remember when he said, Soul, why art thou disquieted? I will yet hope, expect, and stand firm in God. Come on, soul. Remember what we decided when we started this faith fight. Don't let your soul get quiet. Make it declare the goodness of God, the end result. What you expected and praise God as if it's already happened. 
Remember when Jehoshaphat went out, what did he do? God told him, you don't have to fight the fight. But Jehoshaphat read between the lines and said, but I need to show up. I need to show up. Yes, God's going to fight the fight, but my faith is what started the fight. So he shows up, and what's he do? He proclaims, and the mercy of the Lord endureth forever. That's what he did. He declared the end even though it had not happened. So that's what John would do. John would start speaking through praise, affirming God's response to his seed. And then he says that he would not be moved by what he saw. By what he saw. Because sometimes Paul said this, I fight and I have struggles and battles from without and from within. And there are major battlefields that every believer must learn. The Bible says that every man should know how to rule his own body. In other words, your senses are not supposed to be the Lord of your life. Jesus is to be Lord of your life. Oh, but my senses, your senses have been given to you by God. They're a part of his image in you. We know that Jesus had emotions. He wept, he laughed. Listen, he had emotions. You have emotions, but your emotions are not supposed to have you. You can use your emotions dancing, weeping, praying, seeking God. Those are all things that you can do that. But you must never let your emotions take control of your senses to control your faith. Amen? There is a war, and most Christians don't know how to rule their senses. I'll tell you a good way to start. Paul said it in 2 Corinthians 9.10 that we stand ready to execute punishment against every act of disobedience from our bodies. So, your body starts saying, well, you know what, well, I haven't seen anything. I have the best way to shut him up is to fast. Go on a fast, and about three days later said, hey, got anything to say? He won't say anything. I put my body under. Fall on the rock instead of the rock falling on you. And out of this fast, let God re form who you are and how you respond to your senses. So, Paul said that we need to 
retaliate. Don't just let your body rule you. Retaliate against it. Control it. Amen? Control it. So the first thing John did said, I'm not going to let what I see determine what I believe. That's the first thing. Second thing, John started to change the way he talked. He changed his verbiage from needing to having received. Having received. Amen? When you make a covenant or a promise, when you get married, don't you change the confession of who you are? Huh? Certainly you do. Hey, man, hey, hey Joe, you coming over for the ball game? No, I'm married. In other words, Joe knows that means I'm being controlled by another. You change the way you talk, the way you walk, the way you do things. You change your priorities because... You made a covenant, established a promise. But then sometimes when it comes to our faith, we make covenants, we establish the promise of God. We know God doesn't lie, but then we don't change anything else. We just go on and act like we've never received. Now, you don't act like that when you get married, do you, Philip? No. Are you, are you saying that you're dominated and lorded over by another? No, she's not saying that. She, now, the one that lords over you gives you a voice, tells you what you're going to speak. Kind of like your emotions over your faith. Right? Hey, Philip, can you go fishing? Oh, man, it's a perfect day. I'd love to. Uh, well, I'd, I'd like to. Uh, let me check with Regina. Oh, okay. Right? And then, because Regina is Lord of your life, she puts the word in your mouth. Don't you wish that Christians will allow the Lord of their life to put his word in our mouth instead of us talking what we see, what we feel, what we're struggling with, what we're going through? Okay, so we have, first of all, don't let your senses, do not be moved by your senses or your emotions, and they work together. Now, John said, I'm not going to be moved by what I see. Okay? I'm not going to be moved by what I hear. The economy's getting bad. What does that have to do with his harvest? Have you seen any of the farmers out there aborting their harvest because the economy has gotten bad? Did any of them just go and 
mow all their corn down and just destroy everything they planted? Is that what they did? No. They still expect a harvest. And in one sense, they are having faith in the seed process of God. So, they aren't moved by what they hear. Are they moved by what they think? No. Because if they were, they would think, well, corn prices are going to drop. Wheat prices are going to fall. They could think all of that. Fuel prices are going up. They could think all of those things. But they know that they can't change those things by accepting negativity. So they don't let those thoughts run into their life. Because if they did, then guess what? They would stop farming. They would give it up. They would just say, well, I'm going to go bankrupt anyway. They go bankrupt. How about when they go out and pick up the dirt and smell it and say, man, this dirt needs nitrogen. I don't know how I'm going to get it. Man, fertilizer's out of the roof. All their senses and their emotions could get them off track of their harvest. So we aren't going to be moved by what we see, what we hear, what we're thinking. No. Where are all those things governed? By the word. By the word. Let the weak say, I am strong. Replace what you feel by what God says you are. Amen? So let's do that. So and then John replaces it with faith language. Now there are many faith languages. One is a confession. We would say, well, confession is speaking things that are not as though they are. In other words, what you see God will do in your problem, you speak what God will do and not your problem. Amen? And you don't add the little thoughts of fear that come to stick you. Well, you know, brother, praise God, we're, we're just trusting God. Man, it's hard. Oh, what is that? You're just getting stuck. Stop. Don't ad lib. You don't owe your emotions, the devil, or any of your friends an explanation. Right? I have received my harvest when I sowed a seed. The other thing is, I wouldn't even, you know, uh, talk about it with my friends if it's already been done. I had an electric company call me one time, and they said, uh, you know, Mr. Dosek, we're going to send somebody to shut your electric off tomorrow. And I said, I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. 
I said, I just, look, like, be, be merciful. I just talked to my father today. I just talked to him today. And, and he just told me. And listen, my father doesn't ever lie. And some, you know, you never know when he's going to follow through. But lady, listen, please, don't turn it off. Because he said he sent it to me and he gave it to me and I asked him for it over the phone. She said, okay, Mr. Dosak, we're going to let it ride and we're just going to trust as soon as you get that money from your father, you're going to bring it down here. I said, I will, ma'am. And I met, I had just talked to my father about my electric bill. And he said, I told you I'd meet it. And you know what? He met it. Praise God. Amen. I, I just. So, we want to talk what God said he would do, not what we are experiencing or what's being questioned he will do. Restate your stand about the outcome every time a thought comes to your mind. Restate it. Well, I said it a thousand times. How many times you said you're saved? Just restate it, restate it, restate it, restate it, restate it till your restater has to be replaced. Get your restater replaced and then restate it, restate it, restate it, restate it again and again and again. I don't know how many times I've told the devil I'm forgiven. And he said, well, I know what you did. I said, well, I don't know what you know, but I know God threw it all into the lake where there can be no fishing as far as the east is to the west, and I know you're a liar. Now, if God threw it that far, you have not followed it. You cannot tell me what I did and me believe you. I've been forgiven. Okay, so, first thing John's going to do is John is going to quit trusting his senses and his emotions. Not going to get excited. We're just going to stay calm. Just calm. He's given us assurance that the world cannot give us. Secondly, John is going to change the way he talks. He's not going to lie. He's going to change the way that he talks. Realize this. Somebody comes up to you and says, uh, hey, man, uh, you know, uh, you got any needs? No, I ain't got no needs. God meets all my needs according to his riches and glory. Hallelujah. Oh, well, I guess this $1,000 is not for you if you don't have any needs. I wouldn't lie and say, no, I don't have needs. What I would say is say, you know what? I have faith that God meets all my needs according to his riches and glory. But I never tell him, you know, like people hacking and sneezing and saying, are you sick? No, man, hallelujah, I ain't sick. Praise God, I've been healed. I say, well, you better let your body know you've been healed, man. No, if you're sick, you don't have to confess you're sick. You confess what you believe. But denial is not faith. Amen? It, it's, it's not. 
And so if you deny something, then you're just either you're fibbing or I don't know what you're doing. But you can't pollute your field. Deuteronomy 2.22, you can't sow one thing out of the mouth and then the other side of the mouth sow another. You'll defile your field. Make up your mind. That's why the Bible says write the vision. Why? Because he doesn't expect you under pressure to remember what you're supposed to do. Just open your journal and say, this is what God said, this is what I believe. And then quote it. You say, well, don't it have to be in your mind? Well, it wasn't in Jesus' mind of who he was. He had to turn to Isaiah and say, this is who I am. This day is this scripture fulfilled. So you don't have to remember everything. Write it down so that you can read it right back to the devil. So you can read it back to yourself. So you can hear it over and over. Well, do you think that's scripture? Well, God said, why don't you put me in remembrance? Yeah, you, you know, just say, God, right here, you said. Right here, you said that you are my shepherd, and I don't want. Now, I'm going to believe that. I'm just, I'm just going to believe God. And then let God do whatever God has to do to establish that he's your shepherd. It's not your job to stimulate him. It's not your job to provoke him. It's not your job to prove to the devil or your friends that God is your shepherd. It's your job to stand steadfast. Having done all to stand, stand therefore. Get yourself planted and refuse to be pushed around. Stop. And when you are changing what you're saying and what you're thinking, you're being pushed around. Write it down. Isn't that what the Bible is? The way that you are supposed to think? That's why we get our minds renewed. Amen? So write down what you renewed your mind to. All right? Now, what is something else you would do? Okay, Joel, what would you do? I would water my seed. You would do what? I would water my seed. Would you do it verbally, or how would you water that seed? Both, through prayer, through thanksgiving, and then monetarily also. So you would continue to put seed in the ground, as it were, for a thanksgiving. Absolutely. For a thanksgiving. That is true. You know the Bible declares that. In fact, there was a whole season that Israel offered up thanksgiving offerings. 
for what God had done at the Passover lamb or at the application of blood. And so we as Christians, Phyllis and I say it like this. When you believe in God for something, when the devil puts pressure on you, pop him like a pimple. I mean just put the pressure back on him. Sow a seed and say, God, thank you that you are thank, that you are faithful. God, thank you that you're blessing this person. Keep your faith active, always centered on what God said he's going to do. Do you know there, there was a man who came to my office one, one day and he said, man, pastor, I, I, man, my back is killing me and, and I just stopped in here to, to have you pray for me so I can get back to work and fishing and hunting. And I knew him. And I, I, uh, I was going to pray for him. And the Lord said, tell him to go out and consider the poor and I'll deliver him when he releases faith. So I told him, of course, typical close friend, got mad, got a toothpick crossway in his mouth, couldn't get it out. I thought you were going to pray for me. I said, who told you that? Well, I, I, just, you. I said, well, I'm just telling you what God told me to tell you. And here's what the Bible said. If you consider the poor, God will turn your affliction into a bed of health and blessing. See, God was trying to remedy an ongoing problem. He wanted instant relief instead of a cure-all. And so he left. I told him, I said, now listen, I'm going to make it real simple. Go home, get some food, put it in a bag, and, and go out and give it to somebody that has a need. Yeah, but he just... And you know what? Honest to truth, we were never friends again. He called me right before he died. And he apologized in his way. He said, man, Pete, he said, I wish you could come down here and the crappies were biting and we could get into a big mess of crappies. And I said, I wish I could too. I would love to be able to do that with you again. And he said, well, I just want to let you know I love you. And I said, I love you too. That was his repentive act. And I was smart enough to see it and smart enough to accept it. But he died. And sometimes I'll get pictures from his kids and stuff. Say, hey, here you go. You know, I hate the ones with a cigarette hanging out of my mouth. And, uh, but I, you know, fish with so many. They said, hey, you remember this with dad? And I, oh, yeah, man, I did. And it was great. But from that moment on, the friendship was not the same. Now, I say that to say this. 
If your friendships can be broken because you can't manipulate them, you're in the wrong friendship anyway. Hmm? Yeah. Your friends are not your puppets. Your friends are opportunities for you to be friendly. And then you'll have friends. Right? Yeah. Hallelujah. Okay. Well, it's only 7.02. We got another 40. Somebody didn't do that one right. Hallelujah. All right. So we're going to kind of pick this up next time we're together. And we're going to learn what would you do? What would you do? That's the biggest question of faith. Now what do I do? Stand. Well, what does that mean? To be inactive? To be lazy? Not to say anything? Uh, well, what does it mean? Tell everybody, hey, I believe in God, this and this. One thing I stopped doing was telling people what I was believing God for because in it sometimes is interwoven manipulation. First time I believed God for something, I said, God, I don't know anybody's got that much money. It was $500. He said, well, you know me. I said, yeah, yeah, but I can't go telling you, oh, God, I, you know, I'm believing God. And he said, well, don't tell them either, you little beggar. And it was just manipulation. You know, I do that with my wife. You would think over the years it's never worked. And that I would know that with God too. Don't do it. So, no, I want to give credit to Philip. I, I want you. You see this little card? See that little card? What does that say? It says Visa. Debit. Now, I used it today. I didn't know how to use it, so they had to show me. <clears throat> Phyllis. Now, you see, I wrote mine on my card. This little card, Phyllis put $400 on it and gave it to me. She said, now I'm going to give you, every month I'm going to recharge your card. And I said, really? She said, really? So after about a month of this, she told me she'd buy me a gun. Well, she said, honey, I, I just need for you to give me a couple more weeks. I said, do you want to borrow the money? I was able to loan Phyllis <laughs> money. She asked me today, do you like, I said, having money? I said, oh, yes, life is so much more fun. I said, if I get hungry, I don't have to pay for it with dimes and nickels. I just flashed a card. So she told me, quit telling people she never gives me no money. She has had a change of heart. And now she's trying to pay me back like Egypt did Israel for 51 years of slavery. So she gave me a card. Isn't that wonderful? Now, I have to watch it at night because I'm afraid she'll get on the Internet and order stuff. 
and then, yes, and charge my card. <clears throat> so at any given day, you'll come to my house, and I'll be sitting in the corner with a gun protecting my credit card. <laughs> no. no. But I do commend Phyllis when you see her. Maybe she'll up it. Stranger things has happened. Praise God. Stand your feet. Let's pray. Praise God. Sunday morning. Hallelujah. Praise God forever. Father, we worship you. We exalt you. Hallelujah. Mike, you just returned from Mexico having some crusades and churches and stuff. Tell me a couple miracles that took place. Now, you didn't lay hands on anybody, you told me. That's correct. Um, uh, I'm trying to think which one, which one amazes me the most. Uh, I, I actually saw more blind eyes open in that one week than I had the entire time I've ministered to him in that one week, and I never laid hands on anybody except for one man. I did lay hands on one man that said he was, he was blind in one eye um, 11 years. He said, I can see, but I can't see clearly. I said, well, come on up here, you know, and he was able to see clearly, so... Um, so that was a great day. It was a great time. Hallelujah. It was a great time. It was a great time. And you and uh, Kim Norris were there in Mexico, uh, and God just showed up and did great things. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, God's still in the miracle business. Amen. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray. Mike, come on up here and uh, pray for the people. Father, we... Father, we do give you praise. What an awesome God we serve. Lord, your faithfulness is beyond our comprehension. You don't just love us, you are love. And there's nothing in this world that compares to you. So do you be all the glory and all the honor. None is ours. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your provision, for your protection. And I just pray right now over this house that this coming year would be their best year ever. That in every aspect of ministry, they will excel and exceed anything that's been done in the past. Let every person here become evangelist. Let them go into their own little world and find the lost and bring them in. Use everybody mightily. Not just one or two, but everybody. Fill this house to overflow. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. And amen. Praise God. See you Sunday morning. Hallelujah.